Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. You are barking a happy tune with Anime World Order. Space Coast, out! This is Anime World Order, show number 18 for someday in May. Early May, let's hope for. Yeah. Maybe June. We'll narrow it down somewhere in there, but yeah. I am, as always, your charismatic and fearless leader, Daryl Surratt. I am a official college graduate and still recovering from a cold, Gerald Rathgold. Man, screw you. And I am unfortunately still trapped in college. I'm Clarissa. Each week here at Anime World Order, we tend to review anime, but we didn't do that last week. And we're not doing it this week either. Next week, Woo-hoo, yeah. Next week we promise. Next week, we will be back to normal you know, sort of crap stuff that we do. As normal as the show ever is. You might yeah. say that. To back up a minute, we missed a week before because we were all preparing for J-Con, which is an anime convention here in Florida. We all had panels to do. We all had things and obligations to <laughs> see to in order to be at the convention for our and panels. finals. And yeah, finals, yeah, all that. In the middle of it. So, this episode, we're pretty much just going to talk about J-Con, what we did. Not to be confused with the truth, we just released, after three months, my search for the truth at Megacon. My search for the truth at J-Con will come out someday. Never. Never is probably a good guess, but... Ten hours of footage, was it, you Thirteen hours. Thirteen hours. But some of it was panel footage. And on the subject of that, for those of you who really, really want to hear my awesome voice, you can go to www.animehell.org. I posted the entire audio of my panel, so check that out. And then that picture above it, that giant, like, blazing red thing, is Gerald's face. Yes. Yes. So all you people curious as to what <laughs> Gerald looks like, animehell.org, you can see what like gorgeous, gorgeous face. But... Tremendously red dome. <laughs> Let's get back to basics. Uh, right. You know. On the subject, uh, we mentioned animehell.org. How about we mention ourselves for a change? Yeah. Our website, if you want to check out show notes, if you want to leave comments, emails, vote. Frapper page www.animeworldorder.com Send us an email, animeworldorder at gmail.com and leave us a voicemail message at 206-666-4296 or 206-6664-AWO. If you don't have the long distance to spare or the cell phone minutes or whatever, record an MP3 and email us that and we'll get that on the show at some point. Of course, we're tremendously bad at answering these voicemail messages because we take so long to answer even one as we're about right. to prove right now. Mm. What do we got, Gerald? We have a very interesting email here by uh, Brad Veer. I'm going to read this email as closely as possible to how he actually wrote it. <laughs> so here it goes. Hi, my name's Brad Bradley Veer. I'm originally from Southern Africa and I'm staying in the UK. I'd like to start off by saying your show is really ace and I enjoy it a lot. I have an interesting question for you guys. You seem to be to be of 
center of all anime knowledge in Evangelion there, and there was a rumor that death threats are flashed on the screen that was supposedly directed to the director of the series. Is this true? And what the hell is it all about? Thanks for the review vote. It was really great. Please make Katie on screen. Odin! Again, just for kicks. Oh, and Clarissa's got a really sexy voice. Thanks. To keep it up. Excellent work. Cheers. Okay. Thanks, Brad Weir from... Yeah, I'm not gonna... <laughs> Caps Lock. Not your friend. Yeah. Punctuation. Your friend. But Caps Lock is cruise control for cool, Daryl. Caps you? Lock is only acceptable if you're someone really cool, like George Zimmer, founder and CEO of the Men's Warehouse. <laughs> this is not the case. But yeah, to answer your email, Brad, yes, it is true about what you said at the end of Evangelion when it flashes text on the screen briefly. Those are the death threats that were sent to Hideki Anno right. for what he did with his crappy Evangelion ending. He thought it would be really funny to take those death threats and put them up on the screen, and while he was at it, take the camera and cut to the live-action footage because it's, he's really deep. So, yeah. It was the real deal. Those are the real death yeah. threats, apparently. Are anime I think fans was kind great? Of, I don't know. I think it was kind of cool that he posted the death threats. I think yeah. that's something that, you know, we would do. That's something I would threats. do as well. Right, right. So, I mean, if we got death threats, we'd definitely be like, yeah, this is awesome. So there you go. That's it. That oh, and, uh, that. You know, as another More question, of the truth is Not another real. question, but another point. Southern Africa. Interesting. The question out there. I mean, I'm wondering if there was any anime fandom in Southern Africa. Get back to us on that. Yeah. Send us an email. Choiring minds want to know. What other emails do we have? <laughs> All right. Jose Sagastume writes us and says, I don't really have a question... I just wanted to say that Clarissa sounds hot. I am also drunk right now. Well, him being drunk would explain why he wrote that email, because, you know, obviously nobody of, of sound mind would write that email. That's true. Well, yeah, because the last guy said it too, and he was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Off his rocker. <laughs> the only people that ever like me are the crazy ones and the drunk ones. That's my life, people. That's what is good and deserving of right. things. <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. Look, I'm supporting you. I'm agreeing with you. Jeez, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. We just got this email. This one is from Kayla. And she writes, Hi, I listen to your show all the time. I love it a lot. I learned about a ton of anime I had never heard of before from your podcast. You guys are very amusing, and I love to hear your opinions on different anime. I especially love the episode where you talked about how bad harem anime was. That was just our last episode, which just yep. passed. I was wondering, if you could, could you talk about Full Metal Alchemist? It's my favorite series, and I would love to hear your opinion of it. Thanks. Could I say something about Full Metal Alchemist? Let me preface it by saying you haven't seen the whole show. No, I haven't seen the whole show. I've but seen maybe 15 episodes, 20 episodes of it. And it's a show that I think is decently written, and it's got interesting characters, but what annoys me horribly about the show is that it is directed in this style that pisses me off because the director of it, it's a man named... And my mind is blanking on his name now. I'm not Thought even... Bird Strikes Again. The man's name is Seiji Mizushima, who Mr. directed Sh such fine pinnacles of anime, such as Zion. I Zion, wish you were here. Right. Generator Goal, which is just kind of lousy, crappy. But... I think Zion is the better joke. Zion is, yeah. is a great joke, but what annoys me about the guy, about his directing style, and you see it in all of his work, even Zion, which is supposedly, like, deadly serious, is that he loves to really push this humor aspect to it. And there might have been 
sort of this humorous undertone to Full Metal Alchemist. I mean, generally the show was got pretty serious after a while. Yeah. But the jokes were just so forced and so bad and so constant that it hurt the whole show. You know what's funny is that reminds me of, like, I'm not comparing Seijin's You're going to say Tezuka. Yeah, but I was about to say, Osamu Tezuka, even though he's the god of manga, he's like the king of that problem. Osamu Tezuka will write these really serious, serious stories, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he will cut to some ridiculous joke that doesn't fit at all. I think there's the one key difference, and the key difference is that oh, in like Fullmetal Alchemist, yeah, yeah. it's the same joke. Right, right, right. It was like, okay, mildly amusing, all right, Ed doesn't like being called short, all right, fine. 20 episodes later, right. come up with a new joke. And it's just so I'll totally agree top. with you on that. It's like, that Tesca at least would do like something bizarre and then something right. else that was bizarre, yeah, and not right. really repeat himself that much. Oh, no, no, would, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not... I'm certainly not trying to put Seiji Mizushima on the same level as Osama Tezuka. Right. I think he does. I'm I just think Seiji Mizushima that, you know. does himself. <laughs> yeah, let me talk about this for a second. So I think I'm the only one who's actually seen all of Full Metal Alchemist of the three of us. And I pretty much echo what Gerald says. I think Full Metal Alchemist overall is above average. Yeah. It's solid. It's well put together. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some things that drag it down and make it not really one of these all-time great kind of shows. Yeah. For me, I also would just like to say I don't like the movie all that much in terms of story. Mm. I think it was unnecessary because it just kind of invalidates the entire show. <laughs> now, Daryl, have you read the manga? I have not read the manga, but the manga okay, basically... I understand that they're fairly different. From it one diverges another. at a point. Very much okay. like in the sense of the Violinist of Hamelin TV right. series starts off similar to the manga, then it diverges at a point. The anime for Full Metal Alchemist is the same way. I actually think that the divergence is good. I don't know who's responsible for that. Maybe Seiji Mizushima can hit gold once and <laughs> do it in a really high-profile fashion since Full Metal Alchemist was designed from the get-go to be this huge merchandising thing, to be right. this immensely popular deal. And you can always tell what show that is if you look at the Japanese new types of the Japanese animages or whatever and see mm-hmm. what they've got big feature-length yeah coverage on months before it airs what merchandise right. is out before right, the show is right. even out that's Definitely. how you know this is the pre-packaged yeah. hit but what worries yeah, I, me now I actually is that have the... not gotten around to seeing the entirety that's of Football Alchemist because it's just everything is combined to right. put that show on kind of the back burner and it was that but, for um, me for years too yeah I didn't but uh, I didn't just like the show until... at all and I pretty much agree like I, I wouldn't put it in my top 10 list but it's a good show. It's got really good characters. It's got some really good, you know, storyline stuff going on. And I guess if it weren't for that directing style, I might have yeah, been able yeah. to do it. But it just, I have just got such a hatred for Seiji Mizushima's style that it just right. me so far down that I couldn't continue. I was about to say, Gerald, I think you're a little prejudiced right. against yeah, I- Seiji Mizushima. I For me, he doesn't really bother me either way. I just think, oh, I've whatever. I've just seen, uh, I remember one of the first works that I hated from him was, I think, one of the first works he did, which was uh, Generator Gull, and that had the same problems. And mm-hmm. I, what worries me is that Full Metal Alchemist that one didn't was, really a, bother me was a gigantic much, hit. But... Full Metal Alchemist was like a mega, yeah. mega, mega hit. Which is why we haven't really talked about it since we figured, oh, everyone knows about Full Metal Alchemist already. And my, that means that that hack of a director is going to get more work. Yeah. And well, he's going to get this. bigger work, too. So Clarissa had mentioned she hadn't gotten around to watching the show. I was the same way for a really long time. Basically... It was just, all right, I'm going to watch Full Metal Alchemist. And then I watched 
the entire show within a week because that's just the way I work. Mm-hmm. I started to watch it and I was like, eh, first six or seven episodes, even first 13 episodes or so. It was like, I'm going to watch this because I see this guy who looks like Kenshiro and I'm just going to say he's Kenshiro. And then <laughs> once he made his debut on the show, he was Kenshiro, the Full Metal Alchemist equivalent thereof. I'm talking about Scar, <laughs> yeah, for those yeah. of you who may not know what I'm talking about there. So Full Metal Alchemist, overall, decent show, not nearly as good as people are making it out to be. I would use the word overrated, but overrated mm-hmm. is such a loaded word to say on the yeah. internet to call something that show is overrated. People's minds snap right. at that word. I think that's it's the perfect example of a show that is just the big current show that will be totally forgotten come two years. When people talk about a show being overrated, usually they're talking about a show that's really popular, but they really think it's horrible. Right. And so if you say a show is overrated, it does kind of carry that connotation of like you think it's a terrible show and you're really bashing it. Okay. And I think it's a decent show with terrible directing. I'll just go with that. I don't, I don't know if I'd say terrible directing. But it's I would call flaws. it terrible. But yeah, I, well, I understand what people say. We're you hate Seiji Mizushima, so... Alright, since we're going to try and keep to some semblance of a schedule, let me <laughs> cut off this Full Metal Alchemist discussion at this point. Let me just say, during the time that we weren't releasing episodes, we did get mentioned by a lot of other podcasts, and I keep forgetting to put promos into the episodes because we're always so under the gun. I forgot to put promos in last week. So let me just thank some people. First, I'd like to thank Geek Nights because they did a panel at Torcon in Rochester, and they posted the audio to that panel, and they mentioned our podcast by name. They also repeatedly mentioned us on their show. Similarly, I'd like to thank Aaron and Noah over at Ninja Consultant, since they Great bring people. us up quite a bit. We contact them and maintain email correspondence with them, and they're a good show. We'll put links to all show. these shows up. Actually, we already have links to these shows up on the sidebar of our website. Check those out. Yeah, Weekly Anime Review. He actually, Aaron, missed a week or so, but he's a cool guy. I'd also like to thank... Mike Dent over at R5 Central, because he did get me watching Kamen Rider Kabuto. And (laughs) last week when I was trying to prepare for the convention, I'd gotten to this point where I was just procrastinating, and I was like, let me figure out and invent some new way to not do work. I'm going to (laughs) watch Kamen Rider Kabuto, and I watched all the episodes that have been subtitled of that in like a day. And so now I'm hooked on Kamen Rider Kabuto. So there you go. I'm, that's the only thing I'm on. I'm not watching any anime that's coming out right as it comes out because I'm just too paranoid about wasting my time on bad endings. But I am watching Kamen Rider Kabuto because I'm guaranteed that this dude is going to spin kick some fool and make him explode every week. And that's how you're going to save the world. You know, <laughs> one rider kick at a time. So <laughs> there you have it. I uh, hope I didn't forget anyone. Um, Obviously, Otaku Generation, we get a good bit of links from them, but they're way more popular than us, along with Anime Pulse, <laughs> so they can afford to... Don't yeah. they have, like, ten times more listeners than us, at uh, least? Who cares? I'm not really in this for the numbers game. I'm in this for <laughs> causing joke grenades to detonate in the face of young children. Mm. So, yeah. On the subject of that, that's pretty newsworthy. We got news this week, Gerald? Let's news! Working to restore power. One of the small tidbits of news that we had a couple of weeks ago was that the Area 88 OAV series, or OVA, however you want to call it, was being released by ADV. 
and we were worried about how this was going to be released. And we just got notes a little while ago, a few days ago, as of this recording, that it's uh, going to be released as a one-shot release, 195 minutes, 30 bucks on July 25th. That means that they were smart, they put it all together in one package, so it's going to be two discs, I imagine. Well, yeah, I assume it's going to be two discs and sold in one shot, which is the perfect way to release that, because yeah. that is probably how it was released in Japan. There's no reason to be like CPM and split that up over multiple releases, and in the case of CPM, we never did get past the first one. The question right. that I have, though, hmm. is it doesn't have much impact on me because I don't really watch dubs, but did they use the same people to dub this as they did to do the TV show? Yes, that's part of why they did it, because it'll be consistent. Yeah, so that really have... sucks. Okay, that totally sucks, because that means they've just ruined Shin Cosmo. They've just ruined the main character. Because that dude, both in the English version and the Japanese, like, but especially in the English version, that dude just sounded like a robot. Right. That's completely not Japanese, how Shin Cosmo was in the original OAVs. He's, I'll give Chris Patton the benefit of the doubt for two reasons. The first reason is because when I met him at AFO, he said my panel was cool, and he remembered <laughs> me Zinger Z. That's why I'll give him the benefit of the uh, doubt. I'm not but trying the to second, insult the voice no, actor, no, the, the, I'm just saying that, like... The second part is that the character of Shin Cosma in the Area 88 TV series is a robot. Right, right, kinda right. kind of just don't know anything about him. So yeah, he yeah. could possibly not suck in the right. dub of the Area 88 OAVs, because well, I think his I was... laconic performance was more due to the TV series itself. Right, well, that's why I was asking, because if they want it to be consistent, if they're trying to make sure that they use the same actors, because they want the dub for the OAVs to be consistent with the TV series, that to me sounds like maybe a bad idea, because they aren't very consistent. Shin was a robot in the TV series, and he's definitely not a robot in the original OAVs, so I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, he's much more outwardly emotional in yeah. the OAVs, so I doubt they can really get away with that. I think right. they're just being consistent in terms of casting. I'm happy that they're putting it out. And I'm, I'm as long as they don't release it web-only, I still I'm haven't pleased. gotten my yeah. copy of Perfectual Earth Defense Force. Here. Oh, really? Nope. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. good news. Yeah, good everybody news. buy that. It's a good price, too. At Sorry. least I know it won't be dub-titled. That's all I care about. Are you sure? Well, ADB's never done a dub-title before, so oh, okay. that's good. And if you want to learn more about the original Area 88, please listen to show number four, which is on our website at AnimeWorldOrder.com. In other news, this is also a little bit old news, as, as when the show will be released, it will be very old news. ICV2 has estimated the size of the manga market. In 2005, it was viewed as being between around $155 and $180 million at retail. In 2004, it was gauged at about $110 million to $140 million, and now it's just increasing. And they believe that the key trends on this, and I'm reading this off of the ICV2 website, is the growing disparity between the sales numbers of the number one title in the top 50 manga list and the bottom title. So basically, you're getting to the point where the big titles are selling more and the little titles are selling less. Well, that's kind of by definition of what the big titles and little titles are, but yeah, I know what they're trying to say. Yeah, that they're, they're trying, trying to say like very much gigantic like... Gigantic amounts and almost nothing, I guess. Almost like the American comic industry where the number one things will sell, yeah. let's say, a few hundred thousand copies and everything else sells like nothing. In this case, everybody's buying Naruto or whatever the big top thing is now. And I'm sure every, number 25 is... Is probably yeah. not selling record-breaking numbers. People, make sure to buy those smaller releases. Don't buy it if it's crap, obviously, but... 
there's a lot of stuff on the in the bottom list that's really good that no one just is like buy from Eroica with. with love. I actually don't know how that's doing, but I'm assuming it's not doing very well. Probably not. I should point out that the top ten list on ICV2 is not, to my knowledge, something that is ordered by sales ranking. I believe it is just ten things they recommend. I don't know mm-hmm. how they determine that top ten for manga. Mm-hmm. I know for the regular comics they print the numbers, but mm. for this, I think it might just be completely arbitrary. Oh, and uh, they've also got some more trends disclaimer. here. Two more. Yeah, trends. what were the reasons for the growth that they cited? Uh, another one is the increasing number of girls manga in the top 50. Yeah. Right, and absolutely. We know that that's been a big trend over a number of years now. That's, that's why the manga market that's, is that is why. so That is big. what has separated it completely from the comic yeah. book market. And number three, the growing popularity of new manga genres that are targeted towards they say Jose, the lady manga, the older readers, things like Yoi. They say the yeah. AKA broke back manga, tale of mm. homosexual love. And th- those are also entering the top 50 and selling big numbers as well. I think that what we were saying just now, I th- the fact that girls are reading manga so much is what right. is pushing it into these top 50 and the pushing these enormous numbers because... Well, that's the like half American the population. Book, and well, the girls and children. The American say. comic book market doesn't seem to me, at least, to be targeting girls very well. No. Or kids. No. It's kids. like, hey, yeah, let's have Joe Michael Straczynski write Spider-Man. Yeah, that'll bring in the kids. What's your storyline about? Oh, rape. Classy. Yeah. <laughs> This'll bring in the kids. And then scratch their heads wondering why people right. aren't buying it and decide the solution is to have Spider-Man kill Mary Jane or whatever the fuck well, they're I, doing. Well, I think that the reason they did that is because I, I think that especially with the disaster that was the collector's market and people who read comic books when they were kids grew up. And yeah. so I think that they realized that they had a lot of adults who were buying it and kids already were starting to not buy them as much. And so they just kind of focused on that too much. Because they all are like, oh, kids don't read comics. And then you point, hey, what about all these kids buying Shonen Jump? Those are comics, right? And they're like... And what about... (laughs) I go to comic book stores on a regular basis, and I'm... When's the last time you ever seen a kid in a comic book store? I see kids a lot, but they're not reading comics. They're buying... They're buying Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And they're playing card games. What interests me, though, is the attempt by the American comic book market to appeal to girls, which seems... I don't know how successful like a it is. failure? <laughs> it's these very sort of cheesy romance books, it seems. I, I, there yeah. may be people who are better in the know about it, so I shouldn't really talk about it. They just not that manga to. is immune from that. Like those Absolutely god-awful not. Harlequin mangas that they're coming out with now. Come on, people, seriously. This is an insult to women everywhere. Why? They should not be selling these things. And don't buy them. You're a horrible person if you do. <laughs> they're so pink, Clarissa. Oh. Gosh. God. They're... That's how you know they're for girls. Now, what do you think <laughs> it works for the, Margaret. What do you think about the Yoi thing? Do you think that that's kind of a, a popular trend now? I think I, I see the dudes it being rude I, is what's going to take over this planet. It's, I think that, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think that the deal with Yoi is that I don't think that it's like a majority thing. I think that it's probably going to end up being, after it's been out for a little while, I think it's probably going to end up being like it is in Japan, where it's like a small percentage of, say, the shoujo market. I agree but because it, I think that the thing is that it's new. Uh, that's like it. companies would not touch this stuff even like a few years ago. And so there are a lot of a lot of people who 
either never saw this stuff before, if they're not like hardcore otaku that really know a lot about this stuff, they never saw it before. And a lot of people who maybe have been into it reading scanlations or text translations and buying the Tonkabons from Japan, who are now finally getting a chance to buy this stuff in English. And I think what you're seeing is kind of like the early days of any manga thing where people will buy anything that's got two guys making out in it because they're so desperate for any of the material that any They'll of it will sell. take whatever they can get. Yeah. yeah, any of it will sell. I think that as companies start buying more of these titles, I think we're probably going to see it go down a little bit because people are going to start getting a little pickier. I think that it's going to keep growing for a while and then it's probably going to plateau out, but I expect it to stay a pretty respectable submarket. I think well, it'll wait, probably this? grow and then, then shrink a bit. I think there's one major oversight to that whole thing, and it's the fact that store retailers don't realize what Yale is. Mm-hmm. They don't... They just think it's like, oh, they're just girl comics, whatever, we'll stock them where, like, <laughs> with the rest of the stuff. Nobody realizes at like the larger levels what's in these books. Right. And once someone catches on to that, some angry parent or whatever the hell it is, just wait. if it ends up being that they get, start getting shrink-wrapped and maybe put in their own section or Well, no, they already are. Like that, um, they are? No, well, okay, Correct. here's the deal. BL manga that are put out by, like, Be Beautiful that have, like, explicit sex in them are shrink-wrapped, and they're for over 18 only. And most bookstores do not sell any of the Be Beautiful titles. You cannot buy... If you go to, like, Walden Books or So it's Barnes not like Noble how they just got Berserk or Tough or whatever in no. shrink-wrap? I know, because, like, I go to, like, Walden Books and Barnes & Noble and everything and look at the manga section. I sometimes see... But mostly only at this one Walden books that has a really big manga selection, they carry like the DMP BL books because DMP mostly releases stuff like mayhem and pain. Well, they mostly release stuff like (laughs) Hoshino. They mostly release stuff like Hoshino Lily and Honami Yukine, who do somewhat lighter stories that are on the younger end of the age spectrum in Japan for BL readers. They're not necessarily for kids or anything. They do have sex in them, but it's not like super explicit. I think the thing okay. is just by and looking at the even covers, those, it's even so hard those to are tell. sometimes even those are sometimes shrink wrapped. But right. I've never seen any of the be beautiful ones like Finder or any of that in any of those bookstores. Okay. Well, anyway, that's interesting to know, and I'm pretty sure it's all due to the girls that the market is so big. Yeah. But uh, on to other news. Two things that these go into the we'll believe it when we see it is a Metal Gear Solid movie in the works and a Star Blazers movie in the works. By the way, mm-hmm. this is about the second or third time I've heard of a Star Blazers movie being <laughs> made, so I don't believe that this is ever going to happen. Kind of like that. I think the Metal Gear Solid like that, thing. Uh, the Metal Gear Solid thing because of potential. Silent Hill doing really well. Yeah. I think Metal Gear Solid yeah. will happen, or at least will very easily happen, and oh boy, I wonder if you bowl will direct it. Uva. Oh. mispronounced his name. I don't Uva. think uh, I think Kojima, Kojima is too much of a control let, freak. Yeah. I don't think Kojima would let that happen, thankfully. Anyway. I would go see a Metal Gear Solid movie that was done by Ryuhei Kitamura, but then a lot of people didn't like Twin Snakes. Those yeah. people suck. I hated it. Those yeah. people suck. Those were, suck, Gerald. Those were well, gay Kojima, Kojima approved of gay it, so there. Kojima approved ever of it. made, you mean? Oh Kojima God, approved of it, so it's sanctioned by Kojima, Kojima and, Kita, and he and created Solid Snake. Kojima so. and Kitamura are very, very good friends. Apparently they were like college buddies or something. Versus yeah. is the best movie ever made. <laughs> On to other news. 
Godzilla um, Final Wars. Yeah, I think those are probably going to be like that live-action Kite movie that never happened. Or the live-action My the Psychic Girl, or the yeah. live-action yeah. Akira, yeah. or the live-action Astro Boy, etc., 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 etc. Battle yeah. Angel. Yeah, well, yeah. Battle Angel, that's moving so far in production that that might actually get some pre-production, or at least beyond pre-production. But When it starts filming. Yeah. It's James Cameron, so I think he could do it. I think he'll and probably in, uh, push it through. Since we, we don't want to run too long, but two more bits of news. Tokyo Pop is starting a young adult fiction line. This is Woo! like print fiction, not like Yeah, novels, novels. Print stuff, this is novels. And they're releasing things like Scrap Princess, Kino no Tabi, which is mm. what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, Kino's yeah. Journey. Kino's yeah. Journey, as yeah. it's better known. Excellent um, anime series. So. Which is Forest, The Adventures of Dune Cirque, which I don't know anything about. But hmm. Tokyo's Pop has been releasing novels for a little while. I believe they released the Gravitation novel, I believe. Wasn't that just a novel version of the manga written by some English author that they hired or something? No idea at all. Because I, I don't have... remember, I don't know, somebody, feel free to correct me if you know that I'm wrong on this, but I don't remember ever seeing, like, a Gravitation novel in Japan, like, available on any of the shops or anything, so... Hmm. I have no idea, and I know that that's not the only novel that they've released. No, no, it isn't. To me, it seems like the novels were selling well enough that they started their own line, so yeah. there's I'm a excited. lot of... I'm excited about people moving into novels, because that's a, a big, huge part of the Japanese publishing that we haven't been getting before. And there's a lot of manga and anime that are based off of novels. I believe they released the Slayers novels. Um, I might yeah, be... Yeah, the I, Slayers novels, the Vampire Hunter D novels. That wasn't them, I don't think. I don't think that was Oh, Tokyo no, no, Pop. Tokyo Pop didn't do that. Mm. But, That's uh, true. Maybe they'll release, well, I don't know, the LOGH novels or something. Um, <laughs> if only. Yeah, that's really that, funny. That'd be amazing. April Fool's, but, uh, one month late. Yeah. Speaking of I, April I love Fools. that, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, DMP is starting doing uh, BL novels, too, which I'm really excited about. The thing about those novels is just, I'm a lazy piece of shit, and I like to read manga because I don't have to <laughs> read pages upon pages describing what a location or a person looks like. I can just look at it and see, aha, looks like this. No need to read expositionary dialogue describing it. I'm ready to go. Generation is, is a full of idiots. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of a generation full of idiots and yeah. moronic things, this just kind of is weird news. Apparently, Kitty Media, Anime Works, their segment, Kitty Media, media Blasters, their, 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 yeah, Media Blasters, their porn segment, Kitty Media, is releasing some games. They are actually going to release the Discipline and Bible Black games. Yay, Bible Black! I never heard of this Discipline. What it's, what's it about? Uh, this is Michael Minot from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and this is my interpretation of the uh, preview writing for Discipline. Creator of Bible Black Series, the best-selling SM hentai anime series ever. I'm proud to give you Discipline, a sex-filled dream of story, campus life with a gal who's slutty, and the scenery is cock-busting. Original story with a plot that can harden the limpid stick. See a variety of sex scenes from raunchy, passionate, humorous, too romantic. Takaro, our hero, is drowning in sex. All the sexy girls with huge tits are after his manhood. And who can blame him? It's a throbbing monster that keeps growing when inside a girl's mouth and pussy. It can come again and again, but God knows how many times. Superb animation quality and great character design. The animation is so lifelike that you'd want to literally fuck the girls and touch them yourself. 
at St. Alcadia, you will see lots of cosplays, from pink nurses, bondage, to all kinds of sexy outfits for all types of eight-second rival, any fashion runways, or strip joints. Talk about works of art that can make you laugh and come. View original pencil sketches and see how our talented artists develop each character and frame to fulfill your fantasy. Watch sexy disciplined gals caress their tits and hips and fuck like wild animals. Check out their watering holes and get disciplined. This is weird. I, I'm just praying that Discipline and Bible Black will have beautiful dialogue that will be worthwhile. In rhyming couplets? Well, out of nowhere, yeah, rhyming <laughs> couplets for a horribly obscure reference right there. Yeah, nobody's going to get that. I'm sorry. King my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that this was officially announced by them. This is something that if you go to Kitty Media's mm. site, you'll see a segment section there for games and it won't go anywhere. Yeah. And then uh, apparently somebody emailed them directly and they said, yeah, we've got discipline in Bible Black. So maybe this is wrong. That's maybe. interesting that they're they're doing that. Cause, yeah, because how know, many I mean, people actually pay for porn? Yeah, like how well is that hentai game market doing? It's not very large at all. Oh, it's, it's very, very niche. It is super right. niche because those games are very difficult to play. Right. And I yeah, mean, they're, difficult. They're, the gameplay is so challenging. And I mean difficult because <laughs> they are so long. Oh, okay, games. okay. Novels of text that you have to ream through. I'm waiting for somebody to start. You, you better ream something. Ream, I'm waiting yes, for somebody to start releasing the illusion that. games, so, and then America will see the horror of things like Battle Raper and Biko Three, and then I think that's when the explosion against Japan will come. Is when they see Biko Three, and that's yeah. when we'll decide that Japan's a horrible place. By the way, for those who don't know, Biko Three. No, no, no! Don't tell them. <laughs> Make them Google for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Well, Google for Biko 3. You don't want to know what it is, trust me. During your workforce, with your Japanese boss looking over people, your shoulder. Japanese people are terrible, especially Japanese men. You don't want to know what it yeah, is. Yeah, check in the guidebook. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, check for Biko 3 and, and make sure your boss is there when you're doing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. I'm bored. I'm bored, too. Hey, kids, look what I've got for you. Kick-Ass Mystic Ninja Bits! Yes, you asked for it, and here they are. Kick-Ass Mystic Ninja Bits are chock full of information, reviews, and links to exciting sci-fi sites with buttery goodness. So hurry up and go to www.kickassmysticninjas.com for your own tasty ninja bits today. And they're educational, too! Wow! Okay, and on to our main segment. As we were saying when we started the podcast, we skipped last week because we all went to JCon, a local convention in the area that's been running for about seven years now, and we all went there as press. And so we thought we'd just devote this episode to uh, discussing JCon and what went on in it. And as a special treat, we have with us the chair of JCon, a man of many talents, uh, Joey Snackpants, or uh, Ken Nab, depending on how he wants to be. Uh, you just screwed up our guest's name. Again. <laughs> Again. After I repeatedly corrected you. <laughs> I That's think how much respect he has for you, Ken. He doesn't <laughs> even know your name. <laughs> Nabby. Nabby. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll say that again. No, no editing taking place ever. <laughs> there's there's, the entire thing is editing. No, no, no. Not. That's what you think. So, Ken. So. Joey Snackpants. 
introduce yourself. Uh, Tell the internet all about what you're about. You know, it's funny. It's how many years I try to keep Joey Sackpants and Ken Nabby separated. It was like Megacon 99. Some kid ran up to me going, when's Joey Sackpants going to be here? I'm like, well, you come back here at 3 o'clock, and he'll be standing right here, and you can ask him. <laughs> he left, and two hours later, he came back, and I was standing right there, and he's like, I was looking for Joey Sackpants. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm evil. That's the kind of stuff that I used to do at Disney when I used to work out there. This whole J-Con thing, wow. I mean, seven years, that's just a few too many. Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. just to back up. The, Spiraled the, out of control. <laughs> the convention is named J-Con after the anime club from which it originated, which was J-Co, the Japanese Animation Club of Orlando, which is one of the most long-running anime clubs in the nation. What's your involvement with that? I'm a lifetime member of J-Co, Dale. I've been a lifetime member for wow, quite a while now. We were looking at trying to create a convention, and when I was president of JCO, many people don't know that I was president of JCO at some point. I wouldn't allow it because I wouldn't spend the money to put forth the convention. <laughs> I knew that if we did it, it would either A, kill the club, or B, the club would run out of money. Um, I <laughs> so that's how's that any different from killing the club? <laughs> well, it was like if it was too successful, we'd have the same issue that Anime X had when AWA got too successful, mm. that the club that basically created the operation no longer existed because the convention had taken up more time than the actual club did. Uh. And you weren't able to do one or the other. That was one of the promises that we made when we started JCon was that the club would always be part of the operation some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But it was when Nicole Kittner, now Nicole Hollis, took over after me was she willing to roll the dice of all the money and do the event? If we hadn't succeeded that first year, I would have been quite a bit in the hole and the club wouldn't have had any money, and that was in the end of it. Very much an all or nothing at that point. And yeah. in the early okay. years of JCon, you actually started on campus, am I correct? Yeah, it was one of those, we were looking at the amount of square footage that we could do. Previous, we had AFO founder Fred Leggett looked at the convention space at the student union when he was part of Jacob, we had determined that that place has got nearly 50,000 square feet of space. Mm-hmm. And for a convention of under 2,000, it was a perfect location. The only problem was that we didn't have a hotel attached. And we would lose about 30 to 40% of the people from Friday and Saturday night when we would switch over to the hotel-based event. So back then, we could, there was a very much a demarcation line. We'd go... The convention ends at this time, and then we could let other groups like Anime Sushi is one of the groups we used to have to do it, Wasabi Anime, other operations do overnight events, and then I could get some sleep. Um, <laughs> but now that we're at the Sheridan World Resort, we're a full 24-hour operation, and I get even less sleep than I did before. Yeah, you must miss the days when you could get sleep. We'd end up having to all pile into the car and drive all the guests from the hotel over. Used to rent an SUV and be able to fit everybody in it. Yeah, that's those <laughs> Just to back up, the university, you mentioned the Student Union Center. Which university yeah. is that? Oh, you said University of Central Florida. Okay, uh, and okay. you mentioned Fred Leggett. <clears throat> Can you tell us a little bit about who that is, what AFO is, etc.? Just because this is not just a Florida podcast, but suckers all over the world tune in. <laughs> Fred, along with a number of other individuals, Joe Vecchio, 
Lonnie Vallad, and a few others I just can't remember off the top of my head, founded the Japanese animation club Orlando in the early 90s, 1992, is what all of our paperwork said. They became a club on the University of Central Florida campus because they were sick of meeting to watch anime at different stores. So they decided to go someplace where they weren't beholden to store management or what they were doing or how it was going to be handled. Mm-hmm. And uh, they moved over to UCF. And they were originally part of the gaming club. And they were just an offshoot of As that. in tabletop gaming? As or in, D&D as gaming? role-playing games, like D&D, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Which, okay. in the early 90s, it was the same guy. You bought your D&D and you bought your anime from the same place. Right, right. Um, and then Fred kept that whole operation going for a while. I came on board in the mid-90s, and there was a falling out between many members of JCO on how a convention should be run. Part of that group formed Anime Sushi, which now does events for Megacon. Part of that group formed Anime Gaijin America, which now runs Anime Fest for Orlando, which is the other fan-run convention in Orlando. Very um, rare to have two similarly-sized conventions within the same city. Well, the first AFO was only 30 days before the first J-Con. Right. Um, yeah. Fred had gotten his act together much faster than we had, and he had picked an August date. That was funny. That first J-Con, AFO had pulled about 200 and 200 to 300 people that first year in 2000. So all of us were scratching our heads going, we're only 30 days later. No one will want to come to our event. So we were only playing about 200 people. And then 500 <laughs> plus showed up. Um, Oops. Which is really good for a first year yeah. convention. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, it, it would really scared us. We didn't have enough of anything printed. I was running around trying to figure out what I was handling operations back then and cutting the checks. Um, so operations... <laughs> Is that just yeah. a fancy word for the person who's so disenfranchised with the anime fandom community that their job is to sit in a room for th- three days and well, then just coordinate walkie talkies? I don't well, know. What do ops do? That's what it's become these days. But back then, it was very much a when the convention doors opened, the chair's job was over, and the operations director then made sure that all the events ran, lines were moved. They were very much handling the operation of the convention. Mm-hmm. Now, because people don't want to let go of their events, the operations director basically coordinates volunteer and labor hours. Like okay. everybody, you got your, you got your panels director that runs, make sure the panels are operating. You have your right. cosplay director that makes sure the cosplay is running, and that they even ha- now the operations director handles the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly is the uh, director of operations for JCon, and she was in that room most of the time, but for those big events. AMV contest, cosplay contest, yeah. and a musical, the manga masquerade. When those events happened, she was there at the line. J-Con used to be a bunch of old theme park people. That's why we always had great line management. <laughs> <laughs> we knew how to line them up properly and what, what yeah. made people angry in line. So. I would imagine if there's one thing that worked at like Disney or Universal <laughs> teach you, well, it's how to you know, deal with lines. We'll be talking about some of those events you mentioned in a little while, but before we do that, how long were you able to stay within that student union center before it was just not large enough to accommodate the convention? In 2004, we were planning events, and we were scratching our heads going, we need to have someplace else to have panels, the real large panels, the people that were drawing people, like your panel of doom, 
Commonize, Transformers, the panels that were drawing more than 50 people. And so we were decided that we would go across the street and add one of the larger classrooms, do much like FitCon did, and just add an extra building. Problem was is that no one would know what that room was. So now our largest event became right. I, re- I remember that. I remember right. that yeah. year when it was in the student union center, and then we also had the class building, which had large auditorium space for doing the larger panels. But due to various issues, namely Nobody years and it. years of people being accustomed to the cons in this building, not right. a whole lot of people were able to make it out there. And so yeah. that's when he started looking at hotels. We had talked about moving from hotels because the other events were doing it. Was, it was a dissatisfaction for our guests and our, for our attendees. I mean, guest relations labor was going through the roof because I, I would have to haul people from the hotel to, the, to, the, to where the convention was being held. And we and, went, right. Yeah, because the hotel, hotel was off campus and the student right. center was yeah. oh, a distance away. Couldn't easily so just we, walk to your room. And people were like wanting to change their costume contest and wanting to wear multiple costumes. We're trying to have multiple costume events during the day, so we needed to do that. And the problem was we were all looking and going, what was making J-Con not nearly as fun? And we realized it was because the party stopped at 11 p.m. We were then doing one cleanup, moving down the street, then resetting the party back up. Right. Okay. we needed to cut that out. And when we realized that we were taking up all 127 rooms, that the Radisson in Orlando was having, and then we were leading over in the three hotels, we realized we had enough room nights to guarantee space. My hotel chairperson, who is now my wife, made those calls to find out where we could go, and we were looking for a room night, which was around $99. And the problem was, when we were at the student union, we had 60,000 square feet. So we had to have something that had at least 60,000 square feet because we yeah. were already busting the seas of the student union. The Sheridan World Resort was 75,000 square feet. We could get a $99 room rate. And it was really a true convention resort. It had the kind of stuff that I need as a guest relations chairperson. It's another hat that I wear, as well as con chair. To be able to make the guests happy and be able to separate them from the attendees that they needed to. That's why we moved. You mentioned being in charge of guest relations. Does that just mean not just getting guests, but also... Making Treating sure them the right guests and all that. know where they should be and all that. Yeah, we were going back and forth. I've been handling guest relations since the first J-Con. And what's funny is if you pull up the old 2000 Con Guide, we just did BNS, Big Name Fans. Founder of J-Co, you know. Mm-hmm. We had John Bowen, who now heads up Anime Sushi. We had Derek Jackson, who was running a- the AMV track at AWA. We had Michael Schultz, many of you know, Mob Roshi from Rising Sun. Right. These are the groups that we had as guests our first year. And as we morphed into a much larger event, 2002 is when we brought George Lowe in. 2001, we brought in Sean Schemmel. Things would get bigger and bigger. And that first year, I remember calling Peter Cullen's agent in 2002, trying to see who I could get in mm. as my guest. And that's the first time I ever dealt with an agent. And Actually... I- Oh, a- agents yeah. are really good people, aren't they, Ken? <laughs> oh, I had to wash myself a few times. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> How did you guys go about, like, you mentioned that year that was the first year that you got George Lowe, who a lot of people may recognize as the voice of Space Ghost from Space Ghost Coast to Coast. And, and the uh, voice of the, uh, of the massive, or the massive, oh, uh, or the, the, the mass, 
well, old man, Marta over in Atlanta. Yeah, does all the right. Things. Their mass transit system. Right, right. Thank you. <laughs> so how did you guys like, go about like making the decision to get George Lowe and, well, him and getting him, since he doesn't really do anime work? Well, that's, that's been one of the chief complaints about the guest lineup, which has always been my issue. I mean, it's dropped squarely on my shoulders because I handle guest relations. Mm. Why don't we have Japanese guests? Why do we have non-anime type guests? I mean, George Lowe's a great guest. I go to his panel every oh, year. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he's really entertaining. But so it was 20% just percent of people that come to JCon come to see George Lowe. Yeah, every year. Back every up. Year you mentioned him. Marta because George is the voice of Marta. We should probably make note of that since we went to all that trouble trying to figure out what Marta is. <laughs> so yeah, you were just sitting on the bus one day and you heard, or the subway, and you heard George Lowe's voice kick in, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, let's get that guy." How did you proceed from there? Well, when we were looking at going his work on Space Ghost, we were getting a number of anime fans. We were getting the same number AFO was getting. We were getting the mm-hmm. same tracking, and we were trying to bring in non-anime guests so that we could draw other people. Because the primary, j was supposed to make anime more accessible, be a celebration of the medium. And if only anime fans show up, then you're really not promoting the medium. Hmm. You're not promoting it to other people. We almost started J-Con originally as an arm of j The mission of j promotes the genre. Right. And I was the, there the medium can. Oh, it's a medium. <laughs> it's a genre. <laughs> <laughs> I was introduced to George Lope by the founder of j Joe Vecchio, at AWA 7, AWA 8. Mm-hmm. And we hit it off. I asked him why to come on down, and it sounded great. And he has been one of those individuals that you think you get this little package, but it, you end up opening it up and everything explodes. And that's a cool <laughs> thing. He's a suicide yeah. bomber in guest yeah. form. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, George yeah. Lowe is, is always an amazing panel to go to. Oh, and he's just so random. And it's funny, it's like people ask, why do I do this? And it's the meeting George Lowe and becoming a friend with George Lowe is one of the main reasons why I do stuff like this. He is a hoot. That is not something I would have ever been able to do if I had not been part of J-Con. Right. And Brett Weaver the same way. We keep, uh, keep Brett around because I like him. I think he's undervalued as a voice actor, as an individual. This year, we got another team out there looking for guests. I keep every year at J-Con asked, why don't I bring Japanese guests? Why don't yeah. you bring in Japanese Well, I would imagine it must imagine... be very expensive to get guests from Japan. Especially since we're on the opposite yeah. coast. Yeah. And most of the cons that have Japanese guests often are on the West Coast, although not Otakon and Katsukon and Animazman, the, et cetera. There was but, there well, actually was a year that AFO got a Japanese guest. Right, he was the guy who did Futabakun Change. And yeah. unfortunately yeah. nobody knew what Futabakun Change was. <laughs> and yeah. the ones who did, such as me, didn't care. <laughs> I actually went to his panel and there were a total of three people in it. So right. that was what got you a Japanese guest over from all the way. That was AFO 3. I seriously looked at what the attendance was for AFO 3 and realized that bringing in, unless it was a huge name Japanese guest, right. that they're not going to... It's one of those, bringing in a Japanese guest, they have to be ultra-huge. J-Con dropped its price this year from 45 to $40 because we thought that the fans were just getting hit. 
go to Megcon, you go to Metrocon, mm-hmm. you go to AFO, then you go to Emmy Weekend Atlanta, maybe you're going to DragonCon, then you're right. going to the Oticon. You're looking at all this thing, and I'm just, I'm like, we can, we can afford to drop it to 40 bucks. Yeah. That's pretty rare. Why yeah. yeah. Very rare, actually. And now it's like, do I want to charge 50 bucks ahead to bring in a Japanese guest that only maybe a select group will like? Mm-hmm. Or can I use that kind of money to maybe get three or four American guests that maybe have some cross-pollination, like a Michael Dorn or a Clancy Brown? You know, someone who's done a lot of maybe science fiction work and has done voice acting in popular animated shows and may have done work on Americanization, localization of anime. Mm-hmm. Rob Paulson was a perfect example last year. His work on Animaniacs is incredible. Yeah. And his work on Jimmy Neutron, incredible work. Also, he did work on Porco Rosso. So I've got a cross guest here that is anime, but right. I'm bringing in non-anime people as well. I'm trying to get as many individuals in that I can show anime to. We keep our video rooms for this kind of stuff. A lot of cons are dropping video rooms. We will never mm-hmm. drop them. No matter what happens, it will be a staple of our event because it's just it's the basis of what we do, why we're doing it. It's not to bring the dollars in. This is not my job. I've got a job eight to five, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. that I try to squeeze in time to run JCon. There's no one on our staff that does it as their job. It could be another 40-hour-a-week operation when you're getting home and you're kicking off the emails. And thank God most of my guests are West Coasters, so I can call at 9 p.m. and be able to get a hold of them. You mentioned the video rooms just now and how JCon was never going to ever do away with those, which I think is good. But at the same time, I've noticed over the years that I've noticed since I've been going to a variety of conventions, video room attendance on the whole has dropped significantly, and I say it's due to, in the olden days of anime cons, the only way you could see anime that you may not have otherwise been able to see was to go to a convention. Oh, let me see if they've got something right. it's, that it's no one's ever seen. But nowadays, the proliferation of broadband, BitTorrent, mm-hmm. things like that, anyone can generally watch what they want when they want to watch it, and so I think the video That's... room attendance has gone mm. down. That's kind of interesting to me because it's like I know that we've talked about on the one hand, definitely availability is way up from how it used to be. You don't have to mail off for VHS fan subs anymore. Yeah, you can go to the store and buy DVDs. You can Mm -hmm. go to the store and buy a lot of stuff and you can download those stuff on BitTorrent. But for stuff that's brand new or stuff that's more obscure that hasn't been licensed, I always assume that, yeah, okay, everybody's seen this stuff because it's fan subbed and you can just get it off BitTorrent. But then I'll constantly be confronted by people who obviously either don't have broadband or they don't know how to run BitTorrent. And I'm always kind of surprised at the number of people that don't download lots and lots of fan subs on well, BitTorrent. But these people still don't seem to be going to the viewing rooms. I don't well, know. The other problem, guys, is as a con organizer, this is what you look at. We are trying to chock full the convention with events to go to. This panel, that panel, go see this guest, go do this, go make this, go hear about this. Never do we go, go watch this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we're trying to find panels that everybody wants to go to, if we're trying to create these panels that everyone wants to go see, those people have only got so many hours in a day. Right, so they're going right. to be in panels and not really be in the viewing room. Right. When you're pulling in 500 into a panel about a particular type of show, that mm-hmm. means there's 500 people in the viewing room. 
It's That's nowhere true. Again, like during the end musical. There's 1,400 people in that family. There's right. 1,700 people that checked into J-Con on Friday. 1,400 of them were in the end musical. The other 300 probably went home and went to sleep. Yeah. I mean, you can only have so much space, only so much time. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants everything on Saturday. You can't do it. There's only 24 hours in the day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, There's never enough time in the weekend. For... Next year's theme, it's going to be an old school thing. We're either going to name it Back to Basics. Somebody yesterday thought about renaming it in the before time. We're going to do something. So no one's going to show up next year? No, I'm just kidding around. (laughs) um, You mentioned the attendance of the Anim Musical. This is a unique event to J-Con thus far. What is an Anim Musical for those of us Uh, who don't go to J-Con or maybe don't live in Florida? Or you weren't on a flame war on cosplay.com. Or yes, yes. Um, <laughs> or live journal. Or live journal. The anime musical is the brainchild of Tom Kroon and the Wasabi Anime Crew, www.wasabianime.com. It is basically a cosplay skit done right. I hate to be associated with the whole cosplay mentality, but that's exactly <laughs> what Tom pitched. It was very much what would make it good with costumes. Well, we did costumes and maybe did theater. Well, theater's boring. What's good? Music is good. And basically, Tom has decided to meld anime characters being played by members of his staff to music from either show tunes with last year or Broadway tunes with last year. This year was show tunes, most picture themes, and try to make a show that people would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked since... Yeah, it gets huge well, attendance. Friday, we had a problem with Friday nights, guys. Friday nights, no one would come. There was nothing to draw attendance on Friday. We would have a Saturday one-day attendance that would be greater than the combined three-day Friday and Saturday numbers. And it's like, mm-hmm. how can we drive people to Friday? And we've had dances, which have bombed. We've tried to have musical acts, which is bomb. And for some reason, Tom caught me at my annual Christmas party, cornered me in the backyard, and was... Cornered you in the backyard <laughs> with, a, with a crowbar <laughs> and a like, script. I've got, got this idea. And he explained it to me, and I looked at him like he had three heads. And I went, you know, sure, I, I'll make space for you at the next J-Con director's meeting. You pitch the idea. If they like it, we'll go with it. If they don't, tough. And he pitched it. We didn't have anything better to do on Friday night. And Tom, <laughs> like, Tom and I fought tooth and nail over how much money was going to be spent, how much resources. Because this was, this was an untried product. I'd had Siberia at J-Con for five years. I and Siberia exactly is that. one of the dances. And it's the dance party that Anime Sushi does, which is now a Megacon exclusive event. It's no longer at our event. And Anime Sushi, just for people listening, is another anime club here in the Orlando area. Orlando's premier anime club. Yes. <laughs> when we started putting all, the, all of it together, last year's anime musical was very, very successful. People primarily came to see what fiasco Tom had put together or <laughs> come to see a bomb. It was one of the other. They knew that Tom was going to produce something that was outstanding or they wanted to see it fall flat on its face. Right. And it was incredibly popular. And I should explain to the listeners that Tom and Wasabi Anime are fairly high-profile 
entities in the Florida yeah. anime community, and so that's why so many people would have showed up theoretically to see Tom either bomb or succeed. Something that yeah. may not be known unless you live around and here. The two complaints about the first anime school was one, they didn't sing. Well, they don't sing because it's dubbed. <laughs> like, it's a completely dubbed show. Yeah, um, it should be pointed out the people acting out these musicals were not actually singing the songs. They were basically lip-syncing. dancing and lip syncing to the pre existing track, which, considering how well most people can sing, is probably a good thing. Yeah. Well, the hard part, Daryl, is trying to find somebody that can sing, look good in a costume, and dance, and act. You ain't going to find that anime family. Or at least you're not going to find 36 of them. So, <laughs> right, if you remove right. one of them, you're okay. And the other complaint was there wasn't enough Tom and Ken. Oh, yes. That, that <laughs> was my complaint. Needs more Ken Nabby dressed as a Sith Lord and yes. Gimli. <laughs> and this year delivered on both of those. I'm already hearing this bootlegs of the Animusical 2 electric <laughs> on nice. the interweb at this very moment. It's interesting that the Animusical is as successful as it is because traditionally cosplay events, that is to say events in which people in costume act out skits, are generally not very well attended anymore other than by the people in the skits themselves. Isn't that because cosplay skits are usually terrible? Right, yeah. well, so what's the secret is. that the Animusical <laughs> did to completely circumvent that? Because on paper, cosplay skits set to music with choreographed numbers, it seems like something very similar to a sketch people would think up to do at the cosplay events, which I see being phased out now more and more at conventions. Well, the two major complaints about cosplay skits, or masquerade skits, or however you want to call them, is one, you can't hear anybody. Well, yeah, you usually can't get proper micing. If you have them dubbed over with the music going over the PA system, there's no problem with hearing anybody. Right. And two, practice. Practice, <laughs> practice, practice. Daryl? Definitely. Do you, you know when Animusical practices started for this year? Months and months ago. Right. I had a lot of friends who were yeah. in it. And they'd have to be going every weekend to practice for the Animusical. Whereas, I guess your average cosplay skit is thought up while waiting in line to yeah. go on stage. And I would think that cosplayers would take some notes from the enemy of school to realize exactly what needs to change in cosplay. I'm hearing people complain on the interweb that the enemy of school should not be treated anything more than cosplay because that's all it is. Yes, that's all the enemy of school is, is high-end cosplay. The problem is it's good cosplay. That's why it gets premiered. It gets the spotlight because it's good. If we have good cosplay... Cosplay will probably take it more of a center stage again at anime conventions. There you have it, people. So if you want cosplay to come back in force and you want to get more attention for your cosplay, put effort into it and make a good cosplay skit and practice. practice they can't do that, practice. Clarissa. And learn yeah. to, to speak loudly so people can hear you. You can't do it, and they can't prove me wrong on doing <laughs> it. So, in terms of people doing cosplay skits. So, other things, unto, uh, yeah. Un- other things. What are you going to say, Gerald? I was going to say onto you know this year. <laughs> All right. Unless Gerald's we had something else we wanted to pissy. <laughs> I'm not getting pissy. <laughs> I'm convinced. But yeah, that was Friday night, 
at J-Con, a huge event was the Animusical. And Followed by another huge event that Daryl uh, we all something yeah. about. Actually, we all had, we all had events. events. And yeah, yeah. I just, because we missed a week on the podcast, we may as well explain what those events were to justify our lack of work ethic. So <laughs> let's go in order of how they happened. All right, go for it, Clarissa. Okay. My event was uh, first on Friday night out of all of ours. I ran the uh, Yuri panel at JCon. What which, time was uh, that? That was at 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock Yuri panel, folks. Yeah, they carded for... Yep. Make sure everybody was over 18. It usually doesn't happen that early, but as Ken mentioned, there's never enough hours in the weekend to have everything. So they ended up having it earlier than you would usually expect. But like I said, everybody still got carded, so it's all right. It went fairly well. It it was a little bit of a disaster. We had some technical difficulties. We didn't get a whole lot of setup time. There was another panel in the room right before mine, and my laptop decided to hate me. So uh, we had some technical difficulties that slowed us down a little bit getting started. And uh, we had some other technical difficulties with a disc that Gerald burned that had some clips on it. Yeah, but, oh, um, because Gerald touched it and Gerald yeah. emits that anti-technology EMP field. Right, right. Yeah, Taints probably. Comes Breaks all electronics. Yeah. One but, time um, a DVD wants to burn badly for me. Yeah. I don't know. I got um, a couple people coming up to me afterward. They seemed to enjoy it. Nobody ever talks about my panels online afterwards, so I really don't know, except for those like couple of people that come up and talk to me. So I'm assuming that it wasn't horrible. And Gerald, how about you? I ran a panel directly after Clarissa's, and this was at, I believe, 9 o'clock. Concurrently with the Animusical, since the Animusical started at approximately 8.40, is that right, Ken? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Once we yeah. right. counted everybody and got them in the doors. Right, because I was in the main events room getting footage and audio and things like that for that part of the end of musical. And then shortly after, I started running back and forth to get footage of both events. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Gerald, what did you I guess do? I was kind of ca- What kind was of the counter-programming for the end of musical? For people, <laughs> the people who weren't the 1,400 people who wanted to go to the end of musical, what could they expect at Gerald Rathkolb's panel? Well, at this tiny little panel of mine, we, had, uh, we took a look at the uh, world of a uh, really bad, bad hentai. Oh, so all um, of it. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much all of it. I've been doing the panel for a few years, and this year was kind of thrown together more so than other years just because I just didn't have time. And Usually the panels are very, I'm not going to say intellectual, but <laughs> I should say informative. In that right. we, well, we were all kind of plagued by that. Yeah, so it's right, all of us were. Yeah, the con happened, it was just a kind of a scheduling mess. The con happened right around finals for us, so yeah. We're a week later next year. Right, right. Yes. Good. Good news. Great. Anyway, my panel's basically, typically how I do it is I, I kind of run through like a history of it and then it devolves into stupidness. Well, we kind of started out with the stupidness <laughs> in the beginning and kind of devolved further and further. <laughs> and we just looked at really stupid things like a doujinshi involving George Bush and Asuka from Evangelion. <laughs> Fetishes like eyeball licking and... Stuff like that. Really classy things. Because yeah. if you're going to be at the end of musical, you may as well get the maximum punishment that can be meted out. <laughs> and terrible, terrible Loli videos from the 80s. Involving Colonel Awful. Sanders. Yes. Ter- yeah, really and just R2-D2. very silly. That was basically me for about an hour and 20 minutes. I always <laughs> like that panel because just the, 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 hearing the traumatized screams of the people in the audience is always pretty 
Amazing. Well, for an hour and a half, it was nothing but traumatized screams, and there was a really, really, really fat guy that was sitting right up front who was grabbing his side and screaming in pain towards the end because he was laughing too hard. And so, like did you have any die. technical problems, Gerald, or was everything go without a hitch, or what? Everything really went without a hitch for some reason. I don't know why it, it kind of fell apart so badly. With you the used up all your technical, yeah. te technology destroying ability on sabotaging <laughs> Clarissa. And so yeah, you have to I don't know it is. But it went very well with me, and I usually have a blast at those things, and it's really stupid. I mean, this year was much stupider than usual, but that was my panel. Yeah, then there was mine. This was interesting, because I'd never done this panel at JCon before. The circumstances behind how this came about are actually, well, you mentioned there only being so much time to do things, and Ken... Traditionally, up till this year, you'd host an event yourself at J-Con. That Which was, was a complete rip-off of Anime Hell. Yeah, Anime <laughs> Hell is, of course, Dave Merrill's crazy audiovisual show. You can check them out at www.animehell.org. It's not just him running the shows anymore, but he sort of started the whole deal. So Ken decided, hey, this is a good idea. I'm going to steal it. Which is pretty much how Anime Cons perpetuate. And so, oh, J-Con is a complete rip-off of AWA. And if you're going to rip off a con, AWA is the con to rip off. I was about to say, yeah, that's not a bad thing yeah. to rip off at all. Your con, your panel, I'm sorry, was entitled, What the? Because that's the... Question mark. Yeah, what the... <laughs> so <laughs> named basically because... basically the reaction to... Yeah, it's the reaction <laughs> that it would elicit from people upon showing clips. But, like you said, this year you were finally the chair of J-Con, even though most people assumed you were the chair... Every year. <laughs> Every year. Yeah. Why do you suppose that was? Well, it's because I ran guest relations and because I cut the checks. And as even Dave Merrill will tell you, the guy who has the money is the only person anybody talks to. So, I always thought it was because also, you were always the MC. Yeah, that was it. Well, I have done opening ceremonies since 2001 because Nicole Hollis was the first J-Con chairperson. And she was President Jacob at the time. She did the first opening. And then her husband took over for the next three years. And he didn't like talking in front of groups. So he had me do it. And then George Lowe would always say, Ken, 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 because I always talk to George and George is loud. So therefore, everybody thought that I ran the show. And this <laughs> is the first year that I was actually in charge of the event. Jimmy decided to move back to Kentucky and take on Don Anime Life. I don't know what that's like, but mm, I hear yeah. it's good. We only called it What The? Because we were on the University of Central Florida campus. I couldn't call it anything I wanted to call it. Yeah, you ah. couldn't say hell or anything of that nature because it's a college on their yeah. grounds. I never wanted to call it J-Con. I wanted to call it RatCon. That's what I wanted to <laughs> Why RatCon? Because it's in Orlando. And what's better than my rat? And that's what uh, yes. RatCon. And what's RatCon stand for? Absolutely nothing. We can put just about anything we wanted there. It didn't really matter. You didn't have to have anime. Didn't have, you said, it's like, ooh, this year we're going to be Star Trek. This year we're going to be Star Wars. We're going to do anime this year. But I was not in charge, so I lost. Look forward to RatCon 2007. We've always wanted to do some type of other event back on the UCF campus, something smaller. Do something that's not the creation-style con. Right. being the guys that run the Star Trek con. Right, those for-profit cons that are generally where people get the stereotypical conception of what a convention is. 
because right, they were yeah. so ubiquitous to, back in the day. Trying to take the AFO JCon model and put it on SciFiCon and make it back to fan run for the fans, so yeah. fans can enjoy what's going on, and you're not being nickel and dimed for. That actually this sounds really aspect. awesome. A lot of the people that run JCon, I mean, we're all JCon directors. Means basically boiled down to what episode of Doctor Who everybody's watching. What happened on Lost this week? My dream is to run a complete Warner Brothers animation convention where mm. it's all Animaniacs, Freakazoid, mm. Tiny Toons, Hysteria, Justice League, Batman, Superman, all that stuff, and that's it. That's what my dream is. But uh, anime kind of convention I'm running talking. and staffing is not about dreams. It's about <laughs> shattering dreams. Yeah. <laughs> it's about losing even more sleep during the week. This year, because of your added responsibilities, you were a little too busy to do your What the Event, which, as we mentioned, is a ripoff of Anime House. So you went to the other person who could conceivably run a total shameless ripoff of Anime Hell, <laughs> me. My buddy Daryl. Yeah. Since I have, in the past few years, I've been running an Anime Hell ripoff event at not just... AFO here in Florida, but also Anime Week in Atlanta, where Anime Hell actually takes place. So Ken came to me, said, hey, you want to do your panel, which I call the Panel of Doom, since that's pretty much your fate when you walk in that room, is that you're doomed. <laughs> and I said, sure. So that means the panel I traditionally do at JCon, which is another complete shameless ripoff, only this time I ripped it off from not just Dave Merrill, but also Neil Nadelman, Anime That Sucks, which is based off their totally lame anime panel, except I, I run different things. I usually would run that at JCon. This year, I'm doing that at AFO instead. So, Ken said, where do you want to be in? Because last year, the panel was in the largest panel room that JCon had. And... Yeah. Tom decided to invade his own bedroom again. How dare he? <laughs> Goddamn no Bill Gates of anime storming into rooms you know, and taking them over. Um, you'll get your own show later on. Yeah. <laughs> we need <women> search. <laughs> <laughs> yep, this is what we deal this with. This is what happens every yeah. week in the land yeah. of anime, folks. So yeah, long story short, I ended up getting the main events room to go on after the Wasabi Anna musical had concluded. And they gave me setup time, which I needed all of. I was like, oh, I'm not going to need that 45 minutes of setup time. I'll just, I'll just plug this in and, and zoom off. And I'll be Never on the ground. Happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. Never. Dream, folks. Fortunately, the tech people were there, and we just worked right until start time at 1030 to get that thing up and running. And, of course, the first comment I looked at on the Internet was someone who presumably walked in during setup time and said, Oh, there's only 20 people at Daryl's panel. Isn't it funny how you always get those technical problems that happen at no other time ever, except when you're setting up a panel? Yeah, that's always pretty amazing. That's just the amazing. law, the way things work. Right, right. Now, you had a theme this year, didn't you, Daryl? My theme was ninjas. Panel? Yes. Since I figured, what do anime what kids better theme? like? Right, with Naruto being so popular. Right. And so I just found a whole bunch of silly... 80s ninja movies to intersperse <laughs> because in this day and age and ken can attest to this it's really hard to find goofy video clips to show people they haven't already seen courtesy of youtube courtesy yeah. of google video oh yeah it gets so hard every year 
it ended up becoming not what the, but Joy Snack Pants presents the Covert Operatives and something else you can find. Yeah, because the, <laughs> the Covert Operatives is this 15-minute short. It's amazing. It's done using G.I. Joe figures. And it is. It's, it's a classic. A lot of, a lot of 27 minutes long. I, I used to get half my time out of it. Yeah. Really? <laughs> wow. It's classic. It's... The one you sent me was only about 15. For- yeah, it must have cut off because it doesn't. It has the extended scenes and the uh, PSA announcement at the end and everything. Right, but the thing is, is be- the reason that that would come back every year was because it was something that you had that people couldn't easily get or see right. anywhere else. The only way you could really see this was to come to this panel, Jacon. But yeah. now it's harder and harder to do that, and you don't just want to put on a panel where everyone is like, "Oh yeah." I downloaded that last week. So yeah. what do you do? Okay, well, I showed movie clips because that's not something that you'll find easily on the internet. And it worked pretty well, obscure I think. Obscure stuff, yeah. It's all about obscure, funny stuff. I mean, the corn pone stuff used to be a staple. The phone. Right. Pong. I mean, number mm. of times... Yeah, Corndog 7 and stuff. Corndog, yeah. oh, cor- you see Corndog 7, now Corndog 7 remastered. Oh, no, Boom, Zumba. There for a while, my, my panel was just the covert operatives, TV Funhouse, and uh, some Quantone stuff. Because, you know, everybody loves Stranger Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we do have a link to Quantone Flicks up on our website, www.cornponeflix.org. That's P-O-N-E, not P-O-R-N. So you can go there. <laughs> you can watch these shorts that we're talking about. I actually ran TV Funhouse and Quantone Flicks at my panel myself just because a lot of people just don't know about these things, so you get away with it. Yeah. I mean, look at all the cornpone flicks jokes I throw into each episode in the hopes that, like, three people get it of this this <laughs> podcast. Not all your jokes. Yeah, all my jokes are, are CPF quotes in some <laughs> form or fashion. I'll admit it. You can go to animehell.org and check out those MP3s for people who really love my own voice. I think I actually mentioned that in the intro. And there's a picture there of all of us as well. So, yeah, that was basically Friday night at J-Con. Girl, you missed DinkyCon. I was there for DinkyCon, and I've got a photograph of you at DinkyCon. We got there late to DinkyCon. I know. I, in fact, uh, by the time a, I got there, uh, I think all the, the amazing stuff had, had ended already. In fact, I've got a pretty George spectacular photograph of DinkyCon. <laughs> yeah, George yeah. Lowe had already left by the time I arrived at DinkyCon. Right. DinkyCon sadly. is just the term used to refer to Ken's private party that was held after the Animusical on Friday night. It was held in well, the video art track room. Invitation only. We used, we used to do, when we did the one and only dream con that ever existed, George Lowe was there, and of course I was there, pimping, oh, I was there to see Marv Wolfman. And I showed up at George's panel just to say hi. And then he calls me up on stage, and he spends 45 minutes talking about me and Jaycon at his <laughs> panel. And his comment was that we need to get together and make Dinky Con. We'll only invite 20 people and charge 500 bucks a head. So... <laughs> I decided that I'd make DinkyCon at JCon, but, you know, invite 60 people and give out free drinks. And there's sense. nothing better than George Lowe and free drinks. That was Friday night. Then Saturday, it's my understanding, Ken, that you had to spend most of Saturday... Recovering from Friday? No, no, running around <laughs> trying to figure out what the deal was with the legality of selling contacts. Oh, yeah. Let's explain oh, that. Words of Tomatress. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Or I like to say, Optometrist for Justice. We well, got some Optometrist that had a bug up his ass, decided to 
somebody selling contact lenses in the dealer's room was illegal, and he kept threatening to call OCS. And like, I really want guys in green uniforms to show up. Oh, that was just so stupid. I don't get people sometimes. I really don't. Jay Connor, any anime con, period, does not really have that much control over what the dealers decide to bring in. The best you can do is say, okay, you can't sell this, you can't sell this, and if we see you selling this, we'll shut you down. But, you know, contact lenses for all those Naruto cosplayers or whatever who want Sharingan eyes, that's not generally something that you've ever seen people talking about, oh, that's completely illegal. To me, it sounds akin to selling things like sunglasses, but what do I know? But yeah, Saturday generally is the busiest day of a convention, generally the most attended. There were these staple events such as the costume contest and the AMV competition and things like that. Ken, you have a pretty high involvement in AMVs. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that since we know nothing about um, (laughs) I started doing the whole AMV thing because of my friendship with the whole AMV staff at AWA. Our contest was run by basically the AWA video staff for the first two years of JCon. And after that, they just kind of guaranteed they'd come down, so I started doing it. I started bringing in friends of mine that were AMV creators, and they brought their friends, and we got to be a pretty big AMV con in Florida, and then a mm-hmm. pretty big AMV con in the Southeast. If AWA wasn't around, we would be the AMV con in the Southeast. The problem is AMVs are now becoming easier and easier to make. So the yeah. popularity of them is decreasing because it's something almost everybody can do now. Right. Before, it used to be just a technical achievement if you could get the lip flaps to match up with the words, but now if you can't do that, you're just an idiot. They actually now have a program that can generate AMVs automatically. Right. I ended up putting... Oh, maybe that explains the the submission (laughs) sets for some of the AMV contests lately. I ended up turning one into one of the local cons doing the same thing. Just slapping some video clips in on movie and see how far it got in the judging. Yeah. AMVs are on a wane, and I don't know how long that's going to last. A lot of the guys who used to do it, Joe Crosby, mm-hmm. who was Marlboro Studios, Shane Lee, Brad DeMoss, these are guys that were big AMV creators. Right. They just don't do them anymore. Yeah, and I was really disappointed in not seeing... Joe Crosdale now programs ATM machines in Lake Mary. Shane Lee is now an engineer in Baltimore. Elizabeth Frickendall has gotten married into Brett Weaver and has decided to just work on her art, not AMV. Mm-hmm. People are getting real jobs. I mean, when I started doing JCon, I was a data entry idiot at Disney. And I'm not anywhere near that kind of job anymore. And it just gets to be real hard to juggle real life. You know, we're getting married. Some people are having kids. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard to juggle with them. And there just hasn't been a yeah. whole new generation of folks coming in to pick up the slack, even though it's easier it, than ever to edit these It things. would figure that before I start doing AMVs, it'll crash and burn, take a nosedive. This year at JCon, I had not a single bad commission. No oh, Dragon Ball Z, no. Lincoln Park, or whatever it is <laughs> well, people yeah, are doing I had Sailor Moon Lincoln Park this year. I saw that one. Yeah. That's probably a meta yeah. joke. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what it's become. And... None got cut for quality this year. Mm-hmm. None got cut for the AMV contest. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There's some stuff I can't show at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Right, right. No matter where I am. But nothing was cut for quality. Nothing. And it gets harder and harder 
you pick best to show every year. Next year at JCon, we're going to go back to very much an old school mentality on how to judge these things. And we're going to show every AMV Friday night before the end of musical. The judges will judge, and then Saturday will show the winners. Seems like that's a good thing if you're getting fewer submissions, but they're better. Yes. Like Oticon, you're lucky if you make the top 65. You're lucky if you even make the contest. It's almost become the next, at AWA, if you're at Expo, if you're Masters, it's that next step. If you're an Mm -hmm. amateur, you know, it seems like that that bar is getting higher and higher, trying to get those people. People spend a full year editing their AWA Masters video. I don't allow any videos that were shown at a previous convention at mine. It has to be new. You can't have them something you've seen somewhere else. So if they're spending a year on their AMV for AWA, when are they going to find time to make one for my content? Right, right. Exactly. We should note that even though you mentioned that AMVs are on a slight decline, that JCon did have a dedicated room for anime music videos where they just ran AMVs Mm -hmm. for all three days, and that's the video art track, the VAT. We stole the idea from AWA as well. Right, exactly. (laughs) Didn't you also do AMV Idol? My video art director, Eric Wapner, ran that. So what I gathered, it was American Idol for AMVs. Yeah. I didn't get to sit through any of them because I was doing oh, okay, I was yeah. doing technical work for that event that you guys were at. Uh, um. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Oh, uh. God. My understanding of that event was they basically had a panel of people, all of whom were acting like Simon Cowell, and they basically yeah. sort of MST'd AMVs, and everyone or almost everyone knew well in advance that that was what the event was going to be. Yeah. The panel's director of JCon, a guy named Jason Sadegi, that seems to be his forte, MST3King things. Did yeah, he did a, another he did a hentai, hentai panel right after Gerald's. Totally against my philosophy the of House doing of a hentai, hentai panel. Why is that? Come on. Because I don't, I don't think that people should be watching hentai from beginning to end in a dark room, even if it is for MST3K purposes. I think that... They have hand checks. like Gerald. <laughs> Yeah, they had hand checks and a black light, so... I have a really good (laughs) clip that I stole all about using the black light in the hotel bedrooms that I'd often run at the hotel cons. I should have done that this year. Yeah, my panel didn't require any black light checks because... Because everyone was just too busy being... Terrified, yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to. So yeah, one of the major events of Saturday night was this thing called the Manga Masquerade. The Nerd Prom. Tell us how that came about. Anime Sushi had decided to make Siberia into a Megacon exclusive event. Therefore, we were sort of lost on what to do on Saturday night. And we kept kicking around ideas. And the thing was, was like everybody and their brother was doing a dance, and we had seen formal balls done at other conventions. AWA as well. And this is one time we weren't going to jack an idea from AWA. We were going to take an idea from AWA and try to improve upon it. And we took all the complaints that people had regarding formal dances at anime conventions and tried to fix them and also tried to add a specific point of theming. We decided to make it a masquerade and actually require masks and require formal dress. One of the things I learned when I was at Disney working grad nights Kids in ties don't make nearly as many problems as kids not in ties. (laughs) So we made them all gussy up. The odds of them causing problems were much less. Wasabi Anime had an idea of the type of music, supplied some DJs. 
Kelly, our ops director, just got off of helping run the Lake Howell prom here in Orlando. And I went, kids, go for it. I will rent a tuxedo and I will show up. And I rented my Casino Royale special and uh, watched them pile into that room. Oh, my. I kept saying over and over again that we were not expecting the number of people that we had for the Maga Masquerade. We had about 450 to 500 people in that room participating in an event that we were expecting only 150 people for. Wow. They enjoyed it. The Tom's DJs, Eddie and Dalton, did a great job keeping the energy up or bringing it back down as the attendees wanted. And then the, what we did was we originally were going to give away a PS2, so we would actually guarantee that some people would show up. Right, because you were concerned, oh, who's <laughs> going to show up to this thing that we've never done before? you got to throw in something to sweeten the deal. Much like I said about oh, we give away stuff in their opening ceremonies so people will show up. We give stuff. We're gonna give stuff away at the Morgan Masquerade. We give away a PS2, a copy of Kingdom Hearts, a copy of Kingdom Hearts 2, and the Kingdom Hearts 2 Special Edition Clue Book. And we named it Hearts of the Kingdom was the theme of the Masquerade. Of the, so we gave that away at the very end so people would stay through. But we didn't need to. I mean, we were shooting them out when we switched the lights over for the rave that evening. So you mean to say this yeah, was a formal awesome. event where they didn't just have everyone in formal gear and then play rave music and hit a smoke machine on anyway? The complaints we had about balls is that they did not want a cosplay event. They did not want stupid acting on the dance floor. That's fun for about five minutes, as people say. They wanted to be able to dance. And the thing is that if they're all bad dancers in the room, they all dance badly together. <laughs> so um, it was incredible how well that went over. And we removed the acting portions that other balls tried to do. We decided just to basically make a John Hughes-style frog, except for all the except, stuff. Except, yeah, minus the pink And the breakup. Yeah. The masks, they gave the masks out for free for people who didn't have masks. They had panels for mask making if people wanted to make something more elaborate. Yeah, what was we, the most ridiculous mask you'd seen at the uh, event? There's a lot of peacock feather masks. Huge feathered masks. There was like, mm. oh my... I got hit upside the head with somebody's Roxanne mask. Big nose, huge nose, hit me in the back of the head a few times. Uh, uh, there was one that was just killing me. It was a full-on mech head. Oh, oh wow. He was in a tuxedo with an RX-78 gun. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. We need a picture of that guy. Yeah. I think for all the people who want to costume his pyramid head from Silent Hill, I think the butcher apron is antiquated. I think the way to go now is to have the pyramid head and a tux and maybe like a monocle just glued <laughs> onto the pyramid somewhere. Put a new spin on things. But yeah, that's a really good RX-78 and a yeah. nice uh, formal wear. Yeah, that pretty much covered Saturday. Admittedly, for me, my Saturday was generally spent recording interviews and going on well, super adventures you, and things like that. You were at the Yali PJ party, Daryl? Oh, actually, yes, that's what uh, I was getting into, Ken, because that's one of my super yeah. adventures. <laughs> JCon this year had several hours of programming, which we'll get into in a later segment, because this is the actual JCon report, and the <laughs> truth report about JCon is forthcoming. <laughs> But they had two events. One was the Shonen Bash, 
Why the listless side? <laughs> no, I'm just... Bishan Bash, which was PG-13, so to speak, event, which, as the name implies, was... Well, let's see. It wasn't your typical <laughs> Shonen Eye style panel. It was more like that plus people serving other folks because the night before, and we forgot to mention this, there was a themed host club event. And a lot of my friends, they needed badges for the weekend. And they said, <laughs> well, what can we do? And they said, you can volunteer for the host club and be shown in bash and the yaoi party. And they all said yes. <laughs> So, I had to go to all of these to get blackmail photos, every single one of them, doing things. We've got plenty, let me tell yes. you. Yes. And so... Joe, I got complaints that how dare we run the Manga Masquerade opposite of the, the Shonen Bash and the IPJ party, because they could not attend both, and they were very angry. Oh. Yeah. That, oh, dear. That is a tragedy. Yes, but it is. You can't have those events earlier, just by the nature of right. them. Right. So they're inherently late-night programming, and you can't really have a dance in the middle of the day either. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of stuck with that. But there were plenty of people at both. It's not like one's attendance suffered as a result of being scheduled opposite the other one. And so a lot of people spent a significant amount of time till like literally 4 in the morning at the Dudes Being Rude exhibit. That's pretty much the main Saturday events, the Manga Masquerade and that whole guy thing. <laughs> Friday was the hentai night. Saturday was the uh, other Very nice. cool thing. Whatever. Night. Then Sunday came about, and oh dear. Traditionally, the main JCon event for Sundays is the anime family feud. But <laughs> this year, that did not happen. I was looking forward to see what members of the Robotech Defense Force people could not name. <laughs> Every yeah. year, it's the same. Yeah. Or right. how many shows from the 80s that they name are actually, when, you know, they get the question of name anime from the 70s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One. Cutie Honey, number one answer. Not Star Blazers. Or Transformers like is the number one answer. Oh, yeah, that's totally a 70s wrong. show. Yeah. Yes, it is. Very <laughs> 70s. By the nature of the family feud, it's always you have to ask uh, X many people a survey question, and some of the organizations in Florida would decide, <laughs> all right, let's all answer this. And then when we go on, we can win by force of X many of us answering this. It can be the number one answer. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it was win, Daryl. I think it was just what reaction they could get. We stopped giving out prizes for Feud in 2002. Yeah. I think it's just one of those. They would get their groups together and go, okay, complete the Yali couple. Hero, Yui, and dot, dot, dot. And then you would then fill in the answer. And then, of course, it would be Duo Maxwell. And the number two answer would be Joey Snackman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same color that a ninja would wear. And number one would be black. They would then go fuchsia. Is number two. Master Gordon wears fuchsia. Yes, he does. <laughs> and Master Gordon is not to be trifled with. No, I mean, Ivan the Red learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what we're talking about. It's okay. They can go to animehell.org. And find out for themselves. That's very so, true. In place of the anime family feud, they had a roundtable discussion with the guests, who were Billy West, George Lowe, and Brett Weaver, where they just sort of yeah. killed time telling ridiculous well, stories as they're wanting the to do. The point I was getting was that people would not be able to actually see all the guests together. And mm. my guests wanted to spend 
a panel together. Mm-hmm. George wanted to be in the same room with Billy, and Billy wanted to be in the same room with George and Brett. And but the Yowie yeah. events were last night, so they had to settle for... <laughs> <laughs> so they all wanted to be part of the event. Well, let's do it. It got selected much later than when the con got good to print. My registration director, Susan Hicks, is incredible. From it, she's way too ahead of the schedule. I mean, mm. she tries to get all this stuff done so early. We're used to generating the con guy with a gazillion grammatical and spelling errors two nights before and sending it down to <laughs> Kinko. And now you have to actually send things to the printers since the order is oh, that yeah. much? You know how much it would cost for me to print 4,000 con guides at Kinko's? So wait, <laughs> so there's 4,000 con guides printed out. Do you realize that more people read the J-Con convention guide than buy your average comic book release? <laughs> oh, I know, it's pretty scary, isn't it? <laughs> But nobody actually reads the con guide, Daryl. <laughs> Don't oh, you know true. that by now? That's why well, poor favorite... Ken and all these other poor people have so much trouble, because nobody reads the con guide. At closing ceremony, someone asked why we didn't explain on the envelopes what the little white ticket in their packet was for. Yeah. And there was a big sticker on it that said, Enclosed is your white ticket for use for pre-registration drawing and uh, <laughs> opening ceremony. Reading is fundamental. Uh, and so I other things that are, are fundamental. The main event on Sunday. on Sunday, in lieu of the family feud, was a new event that had never been done before. This was a year for new events that had never been done before. Every night there was... I'm reading on the internet that J-Con's just stale and doesn't do anything new every, every year. Well, you read it on the internet, Ken. It must be true. Of course. <laughs> they had this new event. Uh, it was a beauty pageant event. No, it was a pageant event. No beauty there. No beauty is involved. That's right, because it did have otaku in the name. So it was an otaku pageant. <laughs> the full yeah. name of it, let me get this right, it was the Otaku no Kirameki Sakura pageant. There was a terrifying secret about all this because when this was first announced, when you hear the term pageant, the first thing that comes to mind is a bunch of people being really catty and you know, shallow about judging. And why would anyone introduce that to an anime convention when there's already drama-filled costume contests as it is? So the people who organized J-Con had a final solution. The final solution <laughs> was that they came to me <laughs> and they said, Hey, Daryl Surratt, do you want to judge this pageant? And so I, being uh, of infinite philanthropy, said, Sure, and Gerald and Clarissa are doing it too. And they said, Okay, we'll write that down and, and go for it. And of course I said that without actually consulting <laughs> Asking with them first. Us, yeah. I just sort of shanghaied them into it because it was too late <laughs> by then. Well, it's because you are a professional anime pundit. Yes, that's right. The joke, of course, being that I am not a fan of cosplay in the slightest and so they figured uh, it would be entertaining to have me on as a, a judge for this thing but this event was basically in three stages the first event was people would come out in their costume and the second part after we'd eliminate x many people was a talent exhibit and then the third part which is the part that got me to say yes <laughs> was this evening where exhibit where the judges would get to ask the finalists a question and <laughs> the question could be whatever it was that you chose to ask and i was like there's no way that i am turning down the opportunity to ask ridiculous questions to these people 
in main events, <laughs> they just completely don't expect. So I spent like the last however long prior to the con telling people, oh yeah, we have to go to this pageant thing to see it because it's going to be really good. But I didn't tell a soul that I was the judge because otherwise that would spoil the secret. The event was actually fairly successful, I'd say, or more successful than anything I did otherwise. It was a lot more successful than I was expecting. No, it, that it, seems to yeah, be the mantra it went very the weekend, well. Yeah, which is certainly better. Yeah. I, w- I was afraid than... that it was going to end with Daryl screaming invectives and people running out of the room crying, no. just in tears. But no, it, it didn't. Uh, we have we have end recordings of Clarissa doing that instead. So <laughs> I don't know any of the cosplay personalities in Florida. So there's no rigging the vote to vote for whatever. I'm just going to basically call this down the middle. Some of those people were just there for... For the sake of doing something silly, because this wasn't meant to be a a serious personality-fueled kind of conflict. It was meant to be, all right, we need something to do on Sunday, guys. Yeah. What do we do Sunday that hasn't been done? Yeah, we had absolutely no costume event on Sunday prior to this event being planned. Mm -hmm. None. People want an excuse to wear their costume... Every day of the time. The questions I got to ask were all really good. I have no regrets. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll cover that in a later... Singing is kind of the standard talent to do, and I felt really bad, because I'm not the person you want to have judging this thing, because I'm a hard-ass when it comes to that. I'm not the person you want judging, because I'm just... A horrible person? person. Ju- <laughs> I, listen, I'm not a horrible person, Clarissa. Yes, you are, Daryl. Yes, you are, Daryl. What is this? You're a human being. Daryl, that's your entire internet gimmick, gimmick is being a horrible person and making everyone hate you. I'm not a gimmick. <laughs> you, 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 want, you want to fight? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, All right. Go on. I, I'll I take could, you on. Mr. Mr. I run the hentai panel that packs the room every single year, but no one knows you. No, no one really does. Gerald is too ashamed to use his real name at the hentai <laughs> panel. It's like he'll say my name's Gerald here at this podcast, but once it's like hentai panel time, he'll adopt his porn actor persona. So does Clarissa. Clarissa doesn't use her real name either. Yeah, it's because you She's people have something to hide. Whereas the panel room is hosted by Daryl Surratt. <laughs> Joey Snackpants is just Joey Snackpants, so it's not like he's hiding anything by saying Joey Snackpants is the host. Hope you don't ever apply for a government job, Daryl. Yeah. You do a background check. <laughs> background check? I have nothing to hide. All right? You have every, You have nothing to hide, and you'll never get a job that way. No, no, look, I, there's nothing, there's no blemishes on my record. There's no, no history of drug use or crime. <laughs> no statements of sedition. And such. What is this yowie stuff? It's something you say when you get punched in the shoulder. <laughs> Or punch somewhere else, I don't know. (laughs) Overall, J-Con was the first major Florida anime convention of the year for us. There is a few other ones, but Megacon, which came before, is not really an anime convention, as you found out last week. And Anime Express is basically a Branch Davidian-style cult, (laughs) as I will (laughs) unveil in a future... Edition of my search for the truth, perhaps. Like I don't know yet. Well, Daryl, I mean, we traditionally start the beginning of the hardcore Florida con season, which used to have 11 cons. Yeah, and Florida first, is pretty it's insane. Dropped off. Yeah, yeah, it's dropped off a bit, thank God. Near we left with now, it's I don't still. Know, we have a few new ones starting up this year. So. Yeah, it's still a pretty crazy number. All attended by the same people. Right. Yeah. Everybody goes to the same ones. Because none of us have lives, so we don't have anything better to do. 
I think it's just become its own scene. It what's is going on at the Anime Con this month. So, so yeah, what what's what's in the future about? for J-Con, Ken? We're the first weekend of May for 2007. Right now, my cosplay director has convinced me to uh, go out on a limb regarding our new contest prizes. To expect some internet buzz from our promotion team about Dragon Con time. We're going to still be at the Sheridan World Resort for one more year. I have a hotel team looking at moving to other resorts, maybe even to Disney property. That should be interesting. Um, <laughs> Any plans yeah. to eventually expand into, say, convention center type areas like Megacon or other cons like that? We will fight that tooth and nail, Daryl, because we did that already. We had already done the convention center mentality and realized it just doesn't work for us. And we need to be somewhere where the guest rooms and the events are in the same place so that you have a full, what we like to call the J-Con experience. You can't yeah. do that if you're at a convention center. The party has to stop and it has to move someplace else. And we don't want the event to stop. We want to keep it going until Sunday. Yeah. See, it's, we should probably wrap this up now. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun or doing uh, whatever it is we do here. So I guess I'll let you go. I'd just like to thank Ken Nabby for being on the show. Ken Nabby is the chair of J-Con. you doing that again next year, Ken? Yeah, last time I checked. Sucker. Never know, there, might a, there might be a bloody coup or something, and you know, I might be forced into exile and some... Uh, South American country. Yeah, some <laughs> some secret war might break out, and you have to go. Have to change his name to Ken Nab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now make sure that Gerald watches Giant Robo by the time I talk to you guys next. Yeah. In fact, do you? If well, you want, we'll we might have you back on the show when we review Giant it. Robo. Yeah. Oh, the greatest show ever. Yeah, we'll strap him down one day and make him watch it, and then he'll probably hate watch it anyway. Because watch the show, and, no, and then he'll hate it anyway because yeah. he's Gerald and he has yeah. to hate everything. So yeah, <laughs> remember when I told you how good Cars was going to be? You, you ended up liking it <laughs> just because I said it was good. Remember oh, that? Yes, I, I we'll be talking that. about it in the weeks to come because we have yes, our Cars be... review and we watched it at the convention <laughs> as well. Yes, that was an interesting reaction from the room. Yes, yeah. the, the crowd just loved it. <laughs> So, yeah, thanks very much for being on the show, Ken. We'll see you at some other point. I guess you've got drinking to do since it's, you know, almost midnight <laughs> on Friday. I'm going to go to Apple tomorrow. Ugh. The trials and tribulations of being married. <laughs> well, yeah. it was great to have all three of you at J-Con. I know my wife appreciates the effort you guys put forth at the pageant. I don't think we could have had a better group of judges or a group that would have brought as much personality to the event. Oh, that was just me bringing the personality, year. Ken. Oh, shut <laughs> up. These other ones are just dead. Well, sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I thought their mics were, their microphones were muted. Whoops. And, and, and a look on the audience's face when Lily announced the judges. <laughs> I, I wish I had a camera. It, it, it People was actually know us? I don't think anyone fine. in Florida knows who we are. That's how we get away <laughs> with these segments of the truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna end very soon. Yeah, I, don't know I was about to say you're gonna be in that. trouble, Daryl, because pretty soon the jig's gonna be up and no one's gonna talk to you. Jig's anymore. gonna be up really quickly, and I need to get. <laughs> I gotta find that kid for MegaCon and just make my personal like full time beat kid. Give him an earpiece oh, and just feed him lines. And, and, and I would punch a kitty in the face and hold hunger. Man, that is so cold blooded. That's what it takes to be an anime con chair. 
very Westerland nuking style. <laughs> weigh the the lives of one over the lives of the many. <laughs> can't weigh lives like that. And that concludes yet another exciting quote-unquote episode of Anime World Order. Once again, as always, our website is www.animeworldorder.com. Send us feedback about what you thought about this show. It's not our typical podcast format. You can send us an email at animeworldorder at gmail.com or send us voicemail at 206-666-4296. That's 206-666-4AWO. I know we're getting another buildup of emails and voicemail messages and sites that we haven't played on the show, but we are listening to all of them as soon as we get them, and we generally, if we haven't replied to you, it's because, oh, we were planning to put it on the show, and then we're just failing right. at life. We might have to do, like, <laughs> another entire just answer. We might have to make a habit out of it. Every I think month we should make, yeah, maybe month. we can do them as, like, extra bonus episodes or something. Yeah, because it's be really awesome not a whole lot of preparation work on our part to do those yeah. episodes. So, yeah, let us know what you think about that. Next week, in keeping with J-Con's theme, back to basics, in terms of format anyway. But we do have a special theme. It's going to be the lesbianism taking over the Episode Order podcast. Yeah! So, Gerald, what do you got? And we're talking about young girls! I'm going to be taking a look at the uh, postmodern, well, (laughs) (laughs) postmodern porno, Another Lady Innocent. By uh, Satoshi Urushihara, who is best known for probably like Plastic Little and things like that. I can't wait to hear you. I can't wait to hear you explain why how it's postmodern. It's not postmodern. You just saw someone use (laughs) the word postmodern when talking about (laughs) Metal Gear. That's why I was saying that I couldn't wait to hear him explain it, but you ruined the joke now. (laughs) It's my job to ruin jokes. God, Daryl. I'm sorry. What about you, Clarissa? uh, What's going on? I'm going to be talking about the friggin' juggernaut of. Pseudo lesbian Shoto and Shoto. Shoto? What show does that? No, no, no. I thought you said Shoto, like karate. No, no, shut up, both of you. I'm going to be talking about the absolute juggernaut of pseudo lesbian Shoujo, Maria Samagamiteru, which is novels and a manga and an anime. Fighting games, too. There have been fighting games, though. (laughs) And live action cosporn. All sorts of things like that. that. Yeah. And would that count as moe? Um, nothing happens, right? And I am actually going to review something for once in my life. Even though the objective of the, my being on this podcast was to get me watching anime again, I'm <laughs> cheating at that by just reviewing anime of things I'd watched long ago. And with that, that in mind, we, I'll be talking about the often overlooked amazing triumph of animation known <laughs> as Ipatsu Kikimusume, or Miss Critical Moment. Wait the a minute. greatest are... anime ever made. Wait a minute, are there lesbians in that? No, but they sort of qualify because oh. they're strong in both lost... the mind and body. I think we lost Gerald. Oh well, we didn't need him anyway. <laughs> and yeah, that's why Gerald fucks some butts, ladies and gentlemen. You'll see that on the... Oh, great. Oh, hey, Gerald, just... Wait, wait, what happened? Oh, yes, that's a good time to come back oh, in. sorry, yeah. shit. Um, <laughs> just, I'll be editing the, the closing this week. So, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Damn, Skype, I hate this piece of shit program. <laughs> Don't we all? Google Talk, get off your ass and finish that up. Now that we've finished our JCon convention report, I'll just say the impending search for the truth at JCon will happen someday. Hopefully, in a slightly more timely 
fashion than it took to get the MegaCon one out. That was, what, three months <laughs> late? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah, it's just going to be even tougher because, I mean, con season is in full bore now. We've got MetroCon, then we've got a little bit of a break, and then Anime Festival Orlando, and then Otakon the week afterwards, and then AWA, like, the next month. It's going to be it's, a monster. It's going to be a monster, yeah, to, to get yeah. through all of that. Yeah. And yeah, Monkey Punch is going to be at MetroCon, so oh, if it? you have any questions for the man who's the creator of Lupin the Third, send them to us at the email address, phone them in, record MP3s or whatever, and email us those MP3s with your questions, and I promise you we will do our best to get them answered. We haven't yet applied for press credentials at MetroCon, but we're going to try now that we've yeah. gotten our wills you know, built up as we Oh, we pulled it off at J-Con. We can do it from now on kind of thing. Remember, it's Monkey Punch, guys. They'll probably be dead next year. Get them asked while you can. So that's going to do it for us. We'll see you again someday, hopefully next week. Do I, does, have we ever lived up to that promise? Next week, yeah. Early yeah. In our early days. All right. Old two months ago. As long as we don't say in seven days. <laughs> All right. Later, folks.